Gaming and BS episode 299 being recorded Monday, June 22nd, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad you're on board here. Whew. Sean, did you get any gaming in this last week and weekend, man? Did you get some cool stuff in? This weekend, I did not. Last time I gamed would have been Mothership on Thursday evening. Ah, very cool. So, yes, that was... Uh, was it good? Was it glorious? Fun? You know, I was hoping to maybe possibly wrap it up, but it just didn't get there. Um, the game so, is too good. I've heard this. Uh, it's, it's come to me that the game is so good, the players have actually secretly voted. They're never going to let you quit. They love that game too much. Yeah. <laughs> You've done too well. You've outdone yeah. yourself. Uh, so it's gotten interesting. They are... Uh, spoilers. They are now on the planet and their ship has been engulfed <laughs> um so they're i told them that i was hoping to wrap it up in the next one for sure which i think i can do pretty pretty succinctly um and then we'll kick off another game for patrons i'm not sure what i'll run next um we'll see i don't know if it's gonna be mothership or bx or star wars or, or what the hell man it could be anything could be anything. You last, get do game, Brett. Last Tuesday, I had my Avalon game. My, I uh, uh, killed and uh, kidnapped some NPCs that uh, were family to Lenny. Lenny's character, Flynn. Flynn's uh, mother was killed. His dad was left for dead, and his sister was kidnapped. He found out. Uh, he thought it was the vampires. When the Penangalons wasn't, it was something else. And uh, instead of him saying, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to go get the group because the, one of the other bad guys who's been applying pressure to us is obviously, it's this Malcolm guy. Let's rally up as a crew and go fight him. He went, nope, going solo. <laughs> wow, it all went to hell from there. Little sister got her head caved in. She died. It was just, woof. When I say little, it wasn't like, like tiny, tiny. It was like, you know, teenage kid type thing. But it was like, don't come any closer. Somebody steps closer. Eh, bad guy kills girl. Then it went even more to hell from there. It was uh, it was brutal. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of craziness, a lot of unplanned. The fuck is Brett gonna do now? Moments in that one. That was entertaining. This weekend, I got to uh, my buddy Nick ran a Star Wars game. He's doing twenty Star Wars. He's so got to play in that. It's been a while since we've done it, um, but we're able to get together and. Uh, catch up where we last left off on I'm that. not that sure I fun. knew it was D20. I thought it was I, I, told, been, I, may have I thought it was I thought it was D6 actually. No, he's run D6 before. I've played that as well, but he really wanted to do the D20 version cuz he kind of liked it. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I don't don't know any different, dude. Go for it." So we're having fun with it. Yeah, kinda, I have fond memories of I mean, I don't I don't remember the system exactly, but I I mean, that's what we played for a long time, you know, the Living Force campaign. It was, yeah, it was, it was with Jeff too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 far pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. There's certain pieces and parts in there that the other that he and other folks in the group are bigger Star Wars fans than I am. Mm -hmm. So X is revealed and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> right. And I'm doing my best not to let the I don't care about that <laughs> because other people are very happy 
to in this case uh, have met Luke Skywalker. I found him. I found the way Nick was portraying him. Uh, my character's perspective was that kid's a punk ass bitch. Oh. I want him off my fucking ship right now. He w- he did what I would consider a little uh, on the taboo side. I w- I keep the characters away from. I know it was just it yeah. was a passing thing. It's just uh, the reason he's doing it, and I know why he's doing it is it's a time reference. Ah. And this is a big deal, and you're meeting bits and pieces, and they all have their other jobs. We're not going to, like, be working with or for them. However, the brief interaction my player character had with that particular NPC, I want to beat his ass if I ever get the chance, as he was kind of a dick from my character's perspective. But Nick's like, well, that's not how it really was. I'm like, ah, you're not... Lock, you're not my guy. My guy saw this. He goes, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Other than that, hey, oh, by the way, uh, hope happy Father's Day to your father, man. Uh, thanks. It's late. It's late, but well, happy Father's Day to you, Brett. Oh, thank you much. But if you see your old man uh, in the short term, obviously pass that on to him. I will certainly pass that along to him. I bought him a bunch of steaks. Good. Yeah. Food. See, you're a good man. You're one of my best friends. He helped make you. I owe, well, that, I owe yeah, that guy. Yeah. I owe that guy. That's what I say. Yeah, you're same to your father, then, in that case. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Anyway, to all the other dads out there, yeah. happy Father's Day. Hope you had a chance to game, do something cool with the kids, the family, whatever it is that you liked. I got to take a nap. That was awesome. That was dead tired. I wonder how many dads are like, you know, I love my family and everything, but for Father's Day, the only thing I want to do is something else. <laughs> Well, for a number of years when I was riding motorcycle, it was had a Father's Day ride. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, Father's Day ride. And my family never with two with two guys that have no kids. Yeah, but I have one other guy on Henri and myself. Yeah, but a lot of other guys. I mean, part of that became to when uh, Henry's father died unexpectedly. It was kind of a he wanted to do something as a memorial for his dad. Ah. Then my buddy Chris Chitwood, you met Chitwood. I know Chris. Yep. He was like a Father's Day thing for him, and all just kind of turned into a thing there. So gotcha. Anyway, happy Father's Day. Late to all the dads out there. Yes. So enough of that stuff. Let's go. Uh, let's go on random encounter, man. Let's move it on. Random encounter segment of the show where we read comments from forums, social media, voicemails. We have one from Mr. Watkins, a voicemail he called in to the show. Let's hear. Hey, this is Mike Watkins. I was listening to the episode where y'all talked about spell components and finding those components. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but in 3.5, there was a rule about the spell component pouch, and it was hidden in the description of the item, the spell component pouch. I don't know why it was only there, but the spell component pouch is considered to have any spell component of gold piece value of uh, five or less. Uh, I had some DMs that would uh, house rule it to where they weren't in there, and then I would have to go adventure in order to get those any of the spell components that I would need. But uh, for the most part, they're just considered in there unless they're more than five gold. Uh, I don't know if that is carried over to fifth edition. I haven't seen it in there yet, but... Just wanted to say that. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. I think that's his first foray into the show, if I'm not mistaken. And if it's if I am mistaken, I apologize. But 
I uh, would you would you Brett would you make your spellcasters hunt around for spell components? I ne- I <laughs> I love the fact. First off, I'm like thank you. I love the fact that you called that out because I remember vaguely that in three zero three five, but it never got implemented. Yeah, I don't think. And, we and as Sean, I've already said, apparently we all both of us need to reread five e because the fuck we don't know what we're talking about there either. Anyway, I have had very bad luck trying to get people to use spell components. Mostly because I say, we're going to use spell components. Like, ah, yes, sir. I'm for a new spell component to shit out of this. Here, damn right I will. I'll keep track of that. I swear. You betcha, Brett. Five sessions in, I'm like, oh, shit. Has been keeping track of spell components? Oh, no, no. Sorry, I forgot. Oh, jeez, forgot. It's always, and no one, no one forgot on purpose. It's not a malicious forget. It's just like, oh, fuck we've never paid attention to this for 20 years of gaming now you want to do this ah crap all right we'll do it again next time forget it start over that's happened every time i've tried that (laughs) i don't think we've uh, unless we did it when we were kids that was for some crazy reason but i think it fell to the wayside pretty quick i tell you though i like what mike brought up there so i'm gonna have to check because if it's in 5e when i do my reread i want to figure it out but two, if it's not, I like the idea of like, look, a spell component pouch costs X and it's good for Y number of uses and it has everything in it you need up to a certain gold piece value, which is great because certain spells have a limit where they'll say, hey, 100 gold piece pearl, 1,000 gold piece diamond, or some equally uber expensive thing called right out in the material component of the spell, in the spell description. So that would kind of like, oh, wow, that's a... That's an expensive spell to cast. Therefore, I know uh, Alpha's doing it a little bit in the Undermountain game we're in. Where I need pearls for my identify spells. He wants to make identify a pain in my ass, apparently. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So, we only dabble in it. We don't do it hardcore. And I think it's... I want to say that I think people playing spellcasters, like, look. Especially in... I have, you know, I got 20 spells. I can only cast five. Come on. I got enough bookkeeping as it is. I don't want to do any more. It just seems every time it comes up, I haven't found a good way to do bookkeeping on it. I just think, I just think that if it says like, I don't know, a couple spider's legs, how do we know if it's more than five gold pieces or not? Unless yeah. it's written out yeah, I don't know. in some weird manual, right? Yeah. Well, I bet you I bet you I could dig through my Dragon Magazine archive somewhere there, right. and it's got a list. There used to be, we actually, my buddy Eric Schaefer at one point, we toyed with it a bit back in high school, and specifically because we would find things that we, someone read a Dragon article, went, this item gives you a plus two on all spells that are fire-based. Hmm. He'd be like, okay, write that shit down, because I don't want you just, I have dragon, red dragon's blood, and you're going to use that. Add infinite, you know, forever and ever. No way, pal. How many uses of that do you have? So that's kind of as far as we got. But I think after our last discussion around resources and options and different toolings and stuff out there, I think if nothing else, it behooves me if I want to do it to go back and reread whatever core rule I'm going to use for the game at hand that has spells and components to figure out how does a core rule handle it and then determine if I want to mod it from there. But I like that. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, good thing to know. Because if that didn't translate over, that one seems like it'd be easy enough to shift over to 
to 5e. I like that. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks, Mike. You can read this one. I'll let you. Got another Mike. Mike has comments on all about the resources. Uh, most recent one where we, we actually came up with different ideas on how to manage a resource-intensive role-playing game and keep a track of arrows and water and all this other stuff. So Mike says, I did not see a thread for the All About Resources Part 2, so I will share my comments here, which is on the forums. I don't know why I even read that. Brett's comment after reading Edwin's remarks and random encounter on both of you helping new game masters and players was dead on with me. So he's referring to the random encounter in that episode. Going back almost a year ago when I first contacted the podcast in the last and in the last year I've gone through a lot of the past episodes and all of the current ones. Thank you. One, yeah. That's awesome. This is awesome. Good for you, Mike, man. Like Edwin, don't. One of the recommendations that that has been given many times in your podcast is to keep it simple. Like Edwin said, kiss. As well as it's best to focus on one thing at a time and improve than have a crappy game because you overdid it on things you did not know how to do. Uh, I have been talking, taking, he's been taking our advice uh, from an episode many moons ago about playing in games to learn what you like and how to play will help you game master. I have found this to be wise counsel. To everyone listening, thank you for your comments and ideas. There are plenty of us out there that just want to start and get getting to hear you hear, yeah, and getting to hear from you all makes this easier. It's probably a lot easier when when Sean and I could read because we yes. both have had bad, bad bad runs at reading stuff. So anyway, carry on. Also, Sean, enjoy that one wheel. They are a lot of fun. After you get your one good crash out of the way, it's smooth sailing. Just don't look up on YouTube. One wheel crashes. It's not healthy. <laughs> Thanks again to both of you and looking forward to the future, Mike Hess. <laughs> that is also, I would say, in Mike's words, wise counsel. Don't look up horrible things that happen while you're doing the hobby you love. Don't look that up. Don't, don't do that. Don't scare so the shit out of yourself. For folks that aren't in the know, I got a one wheel. And if you don't know what that is, it's a single go-kart wheel that's motorized with a that's in the middle of a board. Literally, and it's a skateboard with a big fat wheel in the middle and a motor. Yeah, and it could get up to like eighteen miles an hour. Has Sean taken a digger yet? Oh, Sean has taken a couple diggers actually. Does Sean one, have scars yet? I have one raspberry that's on the side of my leg. That's it's small, but it was potent. All right. But I took one the other day. Like I was going, <laughs> I just have to say this. I go along this dog park, right? The same one where my dog fell into the lake, right? Yeah, because this is the lucky dog park. Why yeah. wouldn't we keep going there? And I was kind of going along. Only and good got things a, happen at this dog park. got it mowed, right? This path right. that kind of goes along the fence. And I'm going along, and there's these like, two older guys in the dog park sitting on picnic tables. And they're like, hey, is that one of those one wheels? You know, and I'm like, yeah. And I turn, because I turn, and I go, yeah. And as I did that, like, literally two seconds later, I'm like, foop, right on, <laughs> down on the <laughs> ground. So one of the guys comes over and is like, hey, you're, and it's on the grass. So I'm just like, ouch, you know, I get up. Uh, and the guy's like, like the fact you said it's two older guys, which means they're probably our age. They probably are. They're they not. They're are. like, Yeah, they're probably our age, actually. Because you, you, we both have, we've talked about this before. <laughs> off the way. We have a terrible tendency to forget that we're, old. we're, we're, we're both pushing 50. <laughs> and then we'll see, we'll see someone approximately our age and just as gray haired, bearded as we are. Oh, look at that old bastard. Like, oh, but wait, we that's look, us. We look young. We look well, totally. young. That's yeah, the thing, I mean, right? I mean, people young. are like, man, that guy's like probably 30. Right? Gotta be. 
prematurely yeah. gray that poor bastard. These guys looked older. All right, there you go. <laughs> but anyways, it was just hilarious because it was like, and it's it's there's fence, right? So it's fence. It's kind of got some bushes, like the fence has got weeds or weeds, but vegetation growing up the length of the fence. And the fence is probably like four feet high. And, I'll, you know, I could just imagine they're like, oh, look at that guy. All of a sudden, boop, he's gone, right? Just <laughs> That's funny. I didn't think I could bruise my lat muscle, but. Uh, oh, yeah, you can. That, that did you know. not feel good. Anyways, uh, Sean is keeping it. As safe as possible. As safe. It can get a little wobbly. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, Mike, thanks. And I'm glad you find um, all the feedback from listeners. That I just think random encounters just sometimes are the gold of the show. And and that's all due to BSers out there uh, that write in and correct us or write in with better ideas or share their stories and it the whole purpose of that segment is really to to do that share with other people what other people are doing or what they think so people can embrace that or wonder how they can incorporate it themselves or you know scratch their well, head this is when sean and i started this we you know like, hey we want to have a conversational it's like two guys at a, at a gaming con bar talking about stuff and one of our buddies walks up which is any one of you and one of our friends says hey that reminds me and this is your opportunity to do that because we, we're not running the show live. We get to butt in and <laughs> throw your story at us. But I'll tell you, Mike, I, we've had a couple different people throughout the years and various episodes say that they've um, started gaming or taken gaming to a new level or reawakened the gaming hobby or whatnot because of listening to us. And so, and a lot of the cool stuff our listeners have said and it's incredibly humbling and it's very, very cool. I think if there's anything like for the good of the gaming hobby that Sean and I have done, I think that is probably the best part, man, is when people come up and say, hey, I like what you said, and I, 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 I game now, or I never did before, and I wanted to get into it, and I'm doing I'm doing really well, and I really like this thing. It helped me out. That's just awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, very, very cool. Yeah. All right. What do we got here? Roger B. Mr. Yeah, Bresley. Roger Bresley! Comments on tensions in RPGs. I think you mentioned such things, at least in the next episode, but Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 3rd Edition, of all things, has a tension tracker I'm thinking about using in my 1E game. Even if, even if nothing is said about mounting tension, watching the tracker tick up and not necessarily know why can cause a little anxiety. A good link on how to use those trackers, he's got a link in the fantasyflightgames.com. We've got the link in our show notes here. Keep in mind you could use anything as simple as a D10. As long as the players see it, see you rolling it up or down in accordance with their actions or the amount of time they take to do something and see something big happen when they reach the end of a count. <laughs> What'd that number go up for? I don't know. Well, is that because we're taking too long? I don't know, he says as he moves the counter up again. Or are we asking too many stupid questions? Maybe two more counter notches up. Son of a... One more notch. Okay, let's move. Hey, there's some power in that. Yeah. For sure. I like that. And, th- and those cool things... Like those trackers, Roger's saying taking it, moving it to his 1E game. I'm assuming he means first edition uh, Warhammer Fantasy game because he's a big Warhammer guy. Um, but that feels like, I'll have to check that link out, Roger, because that feels like a, the type of mechanic that could slot anywhere, even if you don't have such a tracker in the mechanic game of choice for you and your group. You're like, ooh, I like that thing. And uh, if you're able to take some of those mechanical ideas and crunch them in there, that's pretty slick. Thanks, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, thanks, patron Roger B. Yes. Phil comments on tension and his mothership game. Yeah, baby. 
Sean making converts. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Last night, I ramped up the pressure in my mothership campaign. Threw the kitchen sink at them as they battled transgenic reptilian humanoids and crazed androids devoted to their AI computer god, which had locked them into the direct colony or derelict, direct, derelict colony ship they're exploring for salvage. And that's not even the half of it. <laughs> I love, I like what you're doing, Phil. I like it. Everyone is stressed out, stressed right now. They're hitting stim packs, trying to bring themselves down. One of the players experienced the panic check and failed. Led to a psychotic episode where they attacked another PC with a, what is it? A vibeshete? A vibeshete. Vibeshete. Instead of, it's like a vibro knife, but a machete. Yeah, vibro machete. Vibeshete. Yes. Things are spiraling out of control for the group. The best part is the tension created by the game mechanics is causing them to make hasty choices in game that will lead to further consequences down the road. It is glorious. (laughs) I haven't had this much fun running an RPG in a long time, and the best part is the players are loving every minute of it. The level of excitement they express after every session is awesome. Yeah, baby. That's very cool, Phil. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. It's it's awesome. It's really awesome when when you're the you're the warden in Mothership as the game master, and you're doing that, and the players like it. Like even though they're getting like maybe what they would consider quote unquote screwed over, at least they're like they're enjoying. If you're doing if you're doing that right, you know we always say this. If you're y'all having fun, cool. You're doing it right. And when you're applying this type of pressure, as we've talked about, we had two episodes on that. But when you're talking about it, why is it fun? Oh, my God, this can be crazy. And if your players aren't like you, motherfucker, and then they're waiting by your car with a tire iron and you find your bicycle tires are, have holes in them and they stop returning your phone calls, it, okay, you're doing it right. <laughs> I mean, if it's, there's extreme examples, of course, right? But. If you do something and the players aren't having fun, they're like, oh, my God, Jesus Christ. And they're just not there. But, man, when they proactively come out of the woodwork and say, that was awesome. Oh, my God, we're getting our asses kicked. And I love every minute of it. That's pretty cool. Believe it or not, that's one of the things in Call of Cthulhu, if you're doing that right, at least in Brett's book, that people come back to Call of Cthulhu and say, why would you keep doing that? It's this, you're going to go crazy and die. And I know it's the same thing, uh, Monster Hearts. Uh, my buddy, our buddy, Kev Thulu, has run Monster Hearts many times. So lots of people love Monster Hearts. The game itself does not interest Brett. However, my first internal criticism, I should say external because I've not yet played it, from the outside looking in went, ah, seems like it'd be the same story over and over again. And then I realized what a dumb goddamn thing to say <laughs> because so many stories are the same stories all over again. But if you've got the right groove and everybody's in it, they're going to they're gonna totally dig it they're totally gonna dig it that's awesome that is very very cool phil good job man yeah man (sighs) that wraps up random encounter for this week yeah it's i wonder how many extra copies of mothership have been purchased just by people listening to us you're welcome sean mccoy even if it's four people that's pretty cool i still gotta buy my copy that's what i gotta do i'm a little nervous that it's not like it's still in production essentially i mean the the the, the, the game itself is literally like, I think they even label it the player's guide. Yeah. And so it's, you know, they're still working on it. I just, I hope, I don't want it to get screwed up. Like, I think it's good. 
But I know they're going to do like monsters and stuff that aren't yeah. in that guide and, and everything, but I don't know. Well, the nice thing, though, is that you can go, huh, that's neat. Chuck that book over your shoulder and keep going with what you got, brother. True, true. You absolutely can. Yeah. But so, yeah, it's it's good. I got a lot of people who are like, oh, I might have to check that out. Yeah. Sometimes, especially, man, those cheaper games like it, when you go out there and drive through, you're hunting around for something, you find it, go, huh, you heard about that mothership. How much is that thing? Holy shit, that's cheap. Wow, damn, what is it, seven bucks for it or 10 or whatever? You're like, ah, I'll throw a little bit of love at them get myself a copy and you go through it and you're like, huh, that inspires me to do this thing in my Star Wars game. That inspires me to run this this way. I've got a fiasco play set in mind based on this. That's awesome. Sometimes the best thing you can do as a creator, in my opinion, same, we just talked about this, like with the show, if we inspired somebody to do something cool with their game or to start gaming, that's sometimes the coolest goddamn thing you can do. And, uh, that's why when, when you told me, wow, I really like this, like that's high praise because you and I have read a shit ton of games over the decades and sometimes it's like, meh, I don't care. Toss that to the side, put that over there. But uh, that's cool, man. This is awesome. I like it. Yeah, I, I'm a, but I take a while to adapt because I mean, Mothership's been around for a while and it just, I know I had heard of it and I just thought, well, that seems like a. Well, Call of Cthulhu's been around forever. You've never oh, yeah. really gotten into it and you now, now you like it. Yeah. You know, ready to roll with it. That is true. Like, yeah, I can say that there are, uh, it took me a while. You know what it is? I think it's like, uh, it's like music or something. Like I just, okay, I heard it a long time ago, never really got into it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if I'm just Now all of a sudden crusty. you like Creedence Clearwater Revival and you don't know why. Yeah. Because you heard it through the grapevine at one point. Right. Yeah. He... He, he, he. He. Someone put a spell on you down on the corner. Har. Um, <laughs> Har. Anyway, I think that's enough of that crap. Let's go on. Yeah, let's get into the main topic. Main topic! All right, man, you ready? Brett. I, d- I did a good job with notes on this one, so you goddamn you better be prepped. Yeah, All right, man. so Chris Shorb. On episode 298, last episode, hit us about jamming styles. Um, he left a voicemail, so if you want to, go back to episode 298. I'm not asking you to go all the way to one and listen forward for all of Chris Shorb's wisdom. Just that one. Just that one. We have piece. not asked a lot of people to go and start at one for a long time. Yeah, because we're not assholes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, like, ah, it's 50, 50 episodes. Come on, people. It's uh, less than a year. You can get through this in a couple of months. And I'm like, look, uh, this is six years of stuff out there, kids. This could take you a while. Well, it's almost two hundred and almost 298 hours. Yeah. Give or take. <laughs> Give or take. And by the end of next week, it'll be 300 plus hours. I mean, full-time job, that's like, you know, yeah. it's a month and a half. Eight hours a day. Eight hours a day us. for a month and a wow. half. Wow. Wow. We don't, I can't, I can't advise Andy. anyone to do that. Anyway, Anyways. so Chris started talking about jamming styles because, quick, quick note back. This is the, oh my God, Brett and Sean need to reread the 5e rules. And sometimes, and one of the things I said there, um, in the, my bemoaning of my, I thought I knew it, but I guess I don't, is, uh, my IGM over the top of stuff. My game mastering style takes over. And Chris had said, you know, what makes something a style? You know, 
Is it, oh, he he kills all the players. She only likes to run uh, horror games or blah, 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 blah. I think there's more to it than that. And I don't want to talk about, um, it's basically a little bit of introspection here. And one of the reasons to do it is, before I get into the details, that Chris talked about this, kind of it being a healthy introspection sometimes to say, you know, what is it that you like? What is it that you like to do? I think this also ties into some of the conversations Sean and I have had over the last, you know, 300, almost 300 episodes now, where we say, what is it about this new game system you like? And Sean brought up Mothership. I'm like, huh, what is it that you like here? And some of it comes down to, I like the freedom to do X. I like the way the mechanics allow me to do this thing that I enjoy. And I think by better understanding what it is that makes up the things you like, the way you like to do things, the style you have can be very helpful in explaining yourself to other players, other game masters, and sometimes telling people why, oh, I'm not into that game. Really? Why, why don't you like Fate? You should totally like Fate. No, I don't. Why? Ah, it just doesn't do it for me. We all go, oh, okay, yeah. But wouldn't it be nicer to be able to say, I don't like this thing, or I'm not keen on whatever, because we've got a little bit better insight into what it is that we like or don't like. And some of that, I think, comes down to style here. So anyway. I don't want to get into good, bad, subjective definitions about making someone a better GM or not. And I think some of this would probably apply to players as well, but let's keep a GM focus for right now. I th we're going to try that. And um, I don't want to get into which game systems are better. Like, oh, you get, you like this? Oh, you got to play that game. I don't want to talk about that right now. It's just kind of this introspective, like, what do we like as GMs? You know, what do we like to do? You know, I want to focus on couple different key pieces here. So, Sean, you've read the notes. Do you, you get what I'm coming at there? Get what I'm trying to get to? I think so. Okay. You ready? I think so. All right. I'll go down the list here. Okay. All right. I want to focus on stuff like the following. How do you deal with core mechanics and minor slash sub-mechanics in the game? From a style perspective, do you use all the nuanced mechanics? Do you want to use them all? Is it a thing you want to do? Do you want to focus on a core mechanic? to deal with all the in-game situations. And I, I mentioned this to you off the air, and I, I've said it here a few times, but it really, I look at it and like, huh, I want to use the core mechanic for over 90% of everything, right? If the core mechanic is a roll, a dice pool of D10s, seven, eight, or excuse me, eight, nine, tens of successes, that's what I want to use. I will, if there's a... A uh, situation that comes up, I'll say, roll, give me five successes, and you make it. Give me four, and you don't, or whatever the case is. I want to use that core mechanic. If it's advantage, disadvantage, roll a d20, you know, whatever's wrapped into the core mechanic, that's my preference. And I think, and that is, I'm positive why some of the nuanced components of chase mechanics that we've talked about in the past don't, aren't things I usually pay a hell of a lot of attention to, because I want to use the core if the idea to make a drowning check is a separate little sub bit of rules, I'm like, eh, I'll quote unquote wing it with the with the overall mechanic. So, Sean, how do you how do you deal with that? Do you like do you like all the different subs, or what do you think? Well, you know, Brett, hold on a second before right. we go on to what Sean likes. Let's let's yeah. let's dig a little deeper here. Uh oh. Why is it though that you would ref rather go with the core mechanics than go with the rule subsystem that's involved? So instead of doing a chase system by the book, you use 
okay, we'll do a bunch of checks for Chase, and whoever wins more checks wins. Which may be the subsystem, but I don't think that's that we're talking if they're actually quite a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the reason I do it is for speed. I want the gameplay to flow. When I'm running, I don't like anything that makes me look up rules. So it's a lack of knowledge. No, I just don't want to look it up. I don't want to memorize it because I don't want to, and I don't want to have to look it up because I just want Brett, to. But it's okay it. if you don't know the rule. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. I just don't want to waste my players' time. I see. So when I'm running a game and we all go, huh, what are the chase mechanics again? Oh, let's look it up. I just feel that's the air being let out of my game. Everything stops. We had the heart rate up. Everyone was ready to go. We were in a chase. We got a chase with gunfire and a helicopter. Oh, my God. Yeah, these chase mechanics don't really take into it. Does there an errata that calls for, like, on the ground versus in the air and speed factors? And that's when somebody gets up to go take a piss or decide that they want to order pizza or go get another beer. The game grinds to a halt. Irritates the crap out of me. I need to be able to, from my perspective, I want to use the core mechanics to quickly ascertain what needs to be done to keep the momentum and to keep the tension and to keep what we've got going, going. Does that make sense? It does. Totally. And I would probably feel the same way, actually, most of the time. I think what I try to do is if there is a, if chase mechanics are a big part of a game, right? Let's say Knights Black Agents has some pretty specific chase mechanics in it. I would either bookmark them or make it quickly accessible, right? I went through the uh, the quick start rules for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu, which I'm going to play with my kids this week. I didn't get a chance to last week because we're all too busy. But anyway, um, I read and reread to make sure I understood exactly how to push a roll, bonus dice, you know, negative dice, luck, dot, 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 dot. How exactly does this work? And I know it's my first time playing it, so I'm going to look it up. And it's very, the, the quick start rules are really tight. Um, there's not a lot of extra fluff. You don't have to look at page two, page three. It's all in like one place. That's it. So I feel pretty confident we can we can get through that quickly together because we're all learning. But I just, um, a lot of times when I see those little small micro rules or mini games within a game, I'm like, oh my God. <sighs> Why can't the core mechanics just take care of this? That's a source of a good YouTube uh, channel, I think. Good oh, material. Good material just, for your... Just an idea. Just thinking out loud. Oh, that's a, not a bad idea. You know what we need, though, is somebody who understands how to make a YouTube channel without <laughs> not blowing it up. So are you in the same boat with me? I mean, you want to use the core mechanics because of speed, or are you there because you don't want to bother clog your brain with small stuff, or what? I'm in the middle because it depends. No, that's fine. That's fair, man. I think it depends on what that subsystem is and how well I know it. So it does go to how well I know it. If I don't know it very well, it's going to be, I'm just going to, and if the audience is like at a con or something, I'm just going to wing it and bring it up and, and roll with it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if it's a system that's like got a really cool mechanic and I've actually learned it a little bit and I can futz through it, then then I will run it as it's close to written as possible. But it's, it's, I agree. So, yes, if I'm on the fence where it's like, oh, this thing is such clunkiness and it's not going to work and I don't want to spend 20 minutes dealing with it, mm -hmm. then yeah, I, I would probably 
take whatever the core mechanic is and manipulate it to some degree where it works. And sometimes with the uh, with the minor sub mechanics or mini game or however you want to describe it, it may be a thing that I like. I think that's in there. I don't have time to look that up. Right. It's not like the drowning rules, which we all happen to do off the top of our head. It's not the chase mechanics. It's the, you know, chase between a car, a speedboat, and an airplane. If there's a sub-sub for dealing with that, I'm like, fuck it. Let's just move on. But overall, it sounds like um, I think we're in a similar boat where it, the core mechanic, the, the stuff that's referenced all the time within the game, at least in the games we're running, we're going to leverage those. And you want to do it for the same reason I do, Sean? Just for speed of play? You don't want to let the air out of the game, keep it moving? Yeah, it's so funny. Like, a chase should be something suspenseful, and, and a- it's action-oriented. Like, that's a chase. Like, they're, James Bond's running on the roof. He's going to jump down onto the car. The car's trying to get away from him. And then he gets, you know, he misses the car, gets up, throws somebody off a motorcycle. And then you role-play that, and it's like, burr, burr, hold I'll on t- a second. I'll tell you, man, you've been to cons. I've been to cons. I've game to lots of different groups over my time and there are people there are folks out there who like to game and say okay let's look that up okay good we figure that out roll that roll that okay cool you win the chase by two meters okay cool next and they are happy as clams sure to do, 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 to do that and if that's your jam that's your jam right but again in the answer of style would have brett and sean from a style perspective the letting the air out of the game want to keep it moving Keep the role playing, keep the tension stuff, and therefore the bigger mechanics, not the itty bitty team, we need nuancey stuff. We're gonna move that around. Okay. So here's one for you. Do you allow power spells, etc., to be used creatively? You know, perhaps in a way that's not fully supported or designed in the rules text. For instance, there are some people, I remember there was a Monty Cook article in a Cobalt magazine a while back where he talked about how he was um, huge ancient red dragon in a D&D game. This player smiles wickedly and casts water breathing on the dragon. And because that means they can't breathe air anymore, they asphyxiate and die. There's no saving throw. And Monty Cook said, no. Right? <laughs> because that's not the intent of the spell, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that whole argument, but that type of creativity happens where somebody goes, you know, the spell is supposed to do X, but could I do it as one? Could I do this? Could I tweak it a little bit to allow something? Do you allow that to, or that my power is flight? So if I use flight in this other bizarre way, if I spin a circle really fast, can I get centrifugal force going so I can chuck this rock? With the super speed of my flight, can I do that to like even jack it up even further because centrifugal force is fast with the spin? Can I do that? Can I do a whirlwind? I've never done a whirlwind before. The flight this doesn't say I can whirlwind. Can I make a whirlwind vortex and sink the ship? You know, do you do you go for that stuff or how do you how do you handle it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I really try to give the players some latitude in being creative. It's, you know, I don't know if I, did I talk about the, the, um, the room in the tomb, tomb, spoilers, tomb of annihilation. With the undead minotaurs and all that stuff? No, different room. Different room, okay. Room, room fills up, fills up with liquid. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, I yeah. tell you about yeah, this? Yes, I don't know if we this, said yeah. it on the air, though. I don't know if we said it on a podcast. I think we have. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, so I play with Jason, great guy, but, you know, he's like, okay, if it's filling up with liquid, I'm going to turn into, like, gaseous form and, and slide into the room because there must be a crack because if it's if there's no crack and it fills up with liquid, where does all the oxygen in the room go? Yeah, blow the walls out, right? Yeah. Right, because, I mean, and it makes sense. There's a physics discussion here to be had, yes. Right. Even though in the module it's like it's sealed, it's solid. And if I and I could I think I conveyed that to him. Like it's sealed, it's solid, you're not it, there is no crack for you to to enter. There just isn't. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, okay. Now, for him, he doesn't know. He just assumes that the 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 room is solid stone all the way, four walls, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, ceiling. Everything is solid. So you, that if the liquid is pouring into it, that's a problem. But he doesn't understand that there's another outlet somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's some of those things where it's like, do I want to sit here and explain stuff that the players may not know and are not privy to? Or do you just put the hammer down? And so sometimes I'm kind of like, well, I really want to give these guys some latitude with coming up and thinking of certain ways to use things or utilize things, whatever. But sometimes it, I, I've gamed with Jeff for almost 40 years on and off. It's that guy pulls more shit out of his ass and I got to keep him in check because otherwise he's like, and it, it does. No, it's like the so, rule. Of, the rule of cool only goes so far. I don't actually mind the rule of cool, but you've got a it, limit on it. Well, it's sometimes it's not even cool. Like it's so the, Hey, ah. I'm going to do the whirlwind thing and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It's, it's more of a, it'd be like Jeff. This is this is classic Jeff. Ready? Yeah. Amy, All right, my it. turn. Yep, it's your turn, Jeff. Okay. All right, Sean. Uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna cast I'm gonna cast shield on myself. That's a bonus action, and then I'm going to um, cast smite, and then I'm gonna cast holy weapon, and then I'm gonna run across. Like, how far is he? Like, he's you know 120 feet across the room. All right, 120 feet. Uh, so then I I can try to get there, right? Because then I've got this. Then I've got this, right? I've got this ring, and he'll show me like the card, or he'll show me yeah, his character yeah. sheet, and be like, "Here, right here, Sean." And I'll go, okay. It's just adding adding bonuses, and, and so and when you're done with it, Jeff's taken like six move, like six actions in five e, which is whoa, whoa, whoa! You got to put the brakes on. Time out, actually, oh. got me. Hold on, Jeff. What in the hell are you doing? And what are you pulling out of your ass to make this happen? And you're like, well, I could, I could do that, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll let you get away with this, this, and that, but not that rest of that bullshit you're coming with. And he'll go, oh, well, okay, that sounds fair. That sounds fair. And then we kind of roll See, with that's, it. See, that's kind of cool, though. That's somebody who's got a story, a theme, an idea, a cool thing. Like, I want to try to do all this crap. You're like, you can't do all that crap. Okay. He, right, so but gets, it's he gets cool. It. Would be like, oh, he's all about the cool, but he's like, I want to run. A, he's like in the in the you know he's in uh you know Indiana Jones and yeah, I, get uh, it, I get it. Yeah, and the La- La- Lost Ark, and he's like in the the tomb, and he gets the idol, and he's running and running and running, and he jumps and gets the whip, and then he runs some more, and then he trips, and then there's a boulder, and he does that all at once. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no camera angle change. This is one big no. move. No. Yeah. I can, I can do all that, right? No. No, no, you can't. Yeah, no. So I think you and I are similar in this regard as well, as there is, I don't mind it. 
I don't mind the creative the creative use. However, I think a, a piece of this is that maybe a, an ex, an extender on this is yes, we will both say no, or that won't work, or it won't quite work the whole way. But I'll put limits on it, yeah. right? Um, a lot of times, which, what's interesting is, you know, somebody will in my group will say, well, this is how the spell works. I'm like, did you read the spell? Yeah. No, you read the first paragraph. Read the next two paragraphs of the spell description, right? Read the whole damn thing and then tell me if it allows you to do what you want it to do. Well, it doesn't specifically say it's allowed to do X. I have found that the creative use, I can get more mileage out of it when my players want to use a theater of the mind game. Because we're not being very tactical and each square doesn't count. When, if I'm playing a tactical game, I tend to be, how's it written? That's how it works. Because everything else is, that's how it's written. That's how it works. I get five foot movement here, six foot there, 10 foot here. I get to do this thing. Action, economy, blah, 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 blah. If I'm running a theater of mind game and we've been approximating distances and approximating movements and, you know, visualizing only, I can be a little more flexible, which is how I like to run in my Avalon games. But even then, sometimes somebody will like, I want to do 52 things and then jump on the bad guy. I'll let you, you can't do all of it. Or, yes, but you're going to be at a horrible disadvantage and they'll get like two free shots at you while you're blindfolded and they'll just be kicking you in the nuts. Is that what you want? Oh, God, I don't want that. He's got steel-toed boots on. Yeah, okay, so you don't want to kick the nuts with steel-toed boots. Bad idea. But I think... I like the creative use, but I think there are limits to it. And I think part of it depends on the type of game I'm running. If it is a very tactical game where every square, every grid, every you know inch high means something, then the rest of it needs to mean something too. I feel that's a continuity component. So as long as the overall feel of the game maintains remains, I'm fine with it. Because if to what you're saying is like you're running a semi-tactical game and then to break from that and say, oh, I'll let you implement physics here for the first time ever because we never bothered to argue that dragons can fly and how the fuck is that possible? Um, no, you're not going to do that because it doesn't it doesn't work in the setting type of thing. So I think I'm with you there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So here's one for you. Um, do you make the PCs the center of the story, the campaign, or is the world quote unquote happening around them? And it's up to the player characters to get engaged in what's going on. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big fan of the set. They are the center of the world. Okay. I would be, I would much rather them be, a group of a group of characters um and I, of course it depends on the game and the the campaign that I want to run but I would what's much it, you know just what you're you're yeah. stylistically speaking you're leaning one way right like yeah yeah I would much more rather them be kind of a group and then they are thrust into situations that I are that become bigger that they may realize as things progress, you know. Uh, but they, they need to engage the world versus the world is built for them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So if I were to sit there in the Tomb of Annihilation, 
and choose not to engage in story hooks and so on and so forth, you know, actively not engaging because it doesn't fit my character's background story or something along <laughs> those lines, you'd be like, okay, well, you're going to have nothing to fucking do for the next four hours or the rest of us are playing Dean. Is that kind of your perspective? It is. And I think many players, a majority, I would say 90 to 99% of players aren't that person. They're not the one that says, well, I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing here. You haven't met those people yet, dude? I have, but they're very rare because that's the way I position it. It's like, hey, this is the deal. I'm going to run Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, I'm going to, you know, hey, Jeff and the gang, we're wrapping up Tomb of Annihilation. We're going to run Star Wars. And this is kind of what I'm thinking. And I'm open to, to hearing what you guys want to do. Most of the I think, people I run with are. They, they're waiting for me to come to them with whatever I, I'm proposing. Right. But your, so, the storyline, whatever it is you're building, because I guess the other piece too is because you're rerunning, you're rerunning, you're running pre-built adventures that are written already. Yes. So it, typically part of it is like, Hey, grab onto this and go. Cause we're playing, you know, Ram of the Frost Maiden. We're playing this, 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 this is what you're going to get in for. So you're there to do the thing as right. opposed to when I'm running Avalon games, if I'm running a campaign, have people make characters within certain parameters, and then stuff happens. And uh, but at the end of the day, the PCs are the absolute center. Things are happening around them, right? Shit's going on or whatever. But the PCs are the ones that kick things into gear. And I mine the PCs' backstories for plot hooks and ideas. And when Nick says, I want to figure out how to become a paladin in Avalon, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a long, arduous road. I give him plenty of opportunity to run off, have his little side mission, do that thing, get back over here. I find out, I ask Lenny about his family. I go and danger his whole family, find out about this person's background, so on and so forth. So I'm mining that shit as ways to apply pressure and so forth. It That... P, it, the PC-centric approach is kind of like the world is revolving around them, yes, but wherever they go is where the revolution is occurring, right? They're like the eye of that storm hmm. of activity. That is, that's my preference. See, so you you would be in the camp of backgrounds up front, not during play. Not necessarily. We've done, we do it both ways. Some people like, I have this background, and some people like, I really don't know. I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out. Then at key moments where I'm like, okay, I need something for JR to do. JR, is your mother alive? No. How'd she die? Cool. Thank you. Next. And I'll come back around. Whack. And then the, the dead mom issue comes up again. Turns out she was murdered. There's an entire investigation into it. It's been 10 years. Oh, my God. This man actually murdered my mother. What do I do with it? Because he's now my best friend. Oh, my God. I dragged that out. Hmm. I think that it's easier for me to do. Because I'm rolling my own, right? Yep. And I think a little bit tougher otherwise, perhaps, at least keeping things on track in a large, in a pre-written adventure set <laughs> to, to follow any kind of, uh, any kind of line, any kind of track or pathway, it would take a lot more work. But that's also what my group likes. And that's just how I've been. That's how I ran Vampire back in the old days where I cut my teeth, figuring out a lot of my GMing style. But when I 
thought about this question. I'm like, you know what? I really lean towards the PCs are the center of the world. The rest of the world moves around them, but they're the eye of the storm that travels around. You know, <laughs> there's a hurricane. They're in the middle of the hurricane and they just kind of grow. <laughs> you know, if they wander too far off, then they get swept up in the rest of the crazy. But otherwise, they're pretty much the, the center of it. Huh. Interesting. I think I'd like to try the other way, honestly. Where they don't have a background? Well, or if they have one, it's that the world is happening, right? Where they need to engage with the world. Well, th that is, yes, you can do that. Well, like if you choose not to take, there's three plot hooks for you. If you choose not to engage with any of them, your character does nothing because you're a moron. Well, that's the, that's the trick, right? You can't. You gotta. That's that's like having an open world, that's too open, and the the care and no none of the characters know each other, and they're okay. How do you bring them all together? Why are they there? And What's see, their motivation? And, and, and that's what one of the reasons why I, I put the characters at the center of the story from a uh, style perspective. I like to do that because then once I have that and I understand all the, enough of those bits and pieces, Jr.'s dead mom come to find out is was killed by this person who is also known by this other player by Nick's character and Nick knows that that guy lives in this other neighborhood so hey guess what I get to move them to some other neighborhood which is where I want them to go anyway so by using events and things that are directly impacting the characters as their background their own personal um, side story downtime event or whatever it is they have reasons to go places other than I'm just following the plot hooks. And it might be just the way I've raised myself, but I'm like, if I give them a motivation to go to White Plume Mountain, they're going to go. If I do this right, they're going to go. And they won't even feel like I drug them there. They won't feel like you're standing outside of White Plume Mountain. The king has ordered you to do blah, blah, blah. They're like, of course we're at White Plume Mountain because that's the last session we decided we're fucking going there. We even told the king to stuff his reward. We're going to do this one for free because it's that important to us. You know, <laughs> it takes time though, but I like, I like spending that time. That's where I lean stylistically. Good there. Yeah. All right. Do you allow for player narration description before the die roll? Or do you tell them to roll first and then, and then narrate the results after? Well, I'll leave that up to the player. Some players will be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, Sean. I'm going to... Jeff's going to jump over the table, swing on the chandelier. Blah. Okay, Jeff, give me a roll. A one. <laughs> but you don't, you don't... So think about it this way, too. Do you take the Jeff out? If you have your style perspective, would, do you call for a roll and then narrate what happens afterwards? You say... Brett, give me a perception check. Give me a sneak check. Or are you going down the hall being sneaky? Give me a sneak check. Or do you ask me to tell you what I'm doing before you ask me to roll? My most of the times I'm looking for clarification because I want to. I know I don't. I try not to run into the. Well, that's not what I said. That's not what I. That's not what I meant. So by clarifying. If they're at the end of the hall and they're like, okay, I'm going to go down the hall. And I say, okay, are you just going to walk down the hall? Are you going to go down the right side, left side, center? Are You're you coaxing narration out of them. 
Yeah, I'm going to coax that out of them. And you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like I just do it so that they think it's relative. Yeah. Relative, relevant. Why do I always keep interacting those words? Yes. Interacting, inter- interacting, interchanging those words. <laughs> Sean's uh, hooked on a, a word a day. Word. Um, <laughs> he's just got a brand new thesaurus. He's going to keep using it. <laughs> I got this thesaurus. It doesn't apply, but by God. Anyway. Uh, so, but, but I want to do that so that when it does matter, they're not tipped off that I only ask when it does matter. So if I say, oh, 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 that means, that means something's going on. All right, Sean. And then they put their gaming caps on and they're like, all right. I sneak down the left side hitting every other square. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. That's fine. I have found, I found stylistically what I like to do is... I start off saying, okay, what are you up to? All right, cool. So let's, let's, all right. So you're going to head down the hallway. Am I right to assume that you're, again, I'm coaxing this out of them and I do right. it all the time because I used to do it solely so that way they wouldn't know when it mattered. But now I do it because I wanted to get my group trained to always do that. So now we do it. Now we do it by habit. My oh, home group, God. that is. I don't, I think I pulled. <laughs> I don't think there's any habits that are built in my, my group. <laughs> it does, it's not right or wrong, but I find that even at a, at a convention game, so it was, yeah, I want to sneak down the hall. Okay, so are you like doing side to side, ducking the shadows? You just going straight down the middle fast and just trying to be quick and soundless about it? Give me, how, how, are you wanna, how do you want to do that, man? And then they tell me something, and when they tell me, like, you know what? I'll just be a DC 13. Give, give me a shot there. Give me a try. All right, cool. You got it. The other thing that allows me to do is when I've when I've rolled, if I don't have a DC in mind or I have one in mind, I'll give them a plus or minus based on description. Or if I want to give, depending on the system I'm using, if I've got partial wins, partial knots, and I think even especially with uh, like one of those game systems that has the funky dice, right, for our FFG, and threats and bonuses and all this cool shit in there, the narration helps me figure out with the players what could go wrong or what could go right, you know. So my preference is um, I really want the players to give me a narration or at least a description. Sometimes narration is too strong for certain people I've played with. Like, I don't want to narrate thing. I just want to describe it. I'm like, that's the same thing. You're just using different, whatever. Sure. Describe what you're doing. Great. Because then I find that whenever I've done that, the players have more engagement in the moment and they feel they feel the tension better right so that's my preference i and the reason i asked this question is because one of the guys I, I play with his preference is um why don't you give me a spot check give me a search you're going down the hallway give me a stealth okay give me a <laughs> search for he tells you what to roll yeah. right which is totally fine right but what what i found that that leads to for me is that when that person does that, sometimes we have other people who want a skill dog pile. Right. Well, because those, there's something to gain there. There's not only is there something to gain, but it feels very binary. And I know there's plenty of systems out there that have, again, the pluses and minuses. And by having narration built in or descriptions, my, my style says lean that way, Brett, because if you do that, people don't get as upset about losing or failing a die roll. Because now they have a picture as to why it didn't work that way. 
kick that tin can. Son of a bitch. Yep. Well, that's what I get for trying to sneak across tin can land at two in the morning with my with my Christmas bells on and the siren blaring. That was stupid of me. Anyway, so that's that's my preference. I lean that way. I want people to do that. Um, anything more on that, man? All right. So do you prefer, we've asked this of people on the show before, do you really like to roll in the open and do open or not, right? And do the dice dictate what happens or do you adjust results? How do you, you know, are you a dice, are you predisposed to roll in the open, dice fall where they may, fuck them? Or do you, uh, do you like to roll behind? How, How do you, how do you deal with your dice, man? What's your lean? I, I like to roll in the open. Let the let them fall where they may, and that's kind of the deal. That's it. I used to never do that. But the more I've played online with everybody rolling in the open, it's kind of fun. I just, I don't know. If you, if you don't want the dice to be able to sway something one way or the other, then don't have them roll dice or don't i won't roll dice i will just dictate give it yeah give it to them just just dictate it like uh, this yeah say yes it. say no it's a yeah it's a 10 foot cavern you're gonna jump across yep good good job you you run you get across barely but you you know you get across you don't want them to fall through don't have them roll exactly why Shit. waste otherwise, the time otherwise you deal with Oh shit, man! You missed the jump. You fall all the way down a hundred feet into a cavern and die. You can do the uh, multiple fail states thing. Matt Colville has a video on that, and I've done oh, it before yeah. too. You but miss think- the jump, and then you but you you know give me another roll. Oh, you grab hold of something. Yeah, but wow. there's a there's a limit. Sometimes I hear that advice, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But how many do overs do you get? Right, right. So right. yeah, I think. I still, my lean stylistically is not to roll in the open. However, I'm starting to stylistically as a game master go the other way because I'm seeing it's fun and I'm having more fun with it. Man, you know, part of the argument, and I used to be like that too, too, Brett, but the part of the argument that I came to just switching is I don't want the players that think I'm dictating shit. Hey, you've got you've got agency. You want to do something? Great. You think you're good at it? Awesome. You think you're gonna, you know, stretch it a little bit? Fine. Let the dice determine whether you are gonna to, to let the, the dice of fate. And if you got a plus five, your fate's probably pretty good. Your odds are probably pretty decent. But at the same time, there's probably a chance of, uh, of failure. So I'm gonna allow you to roll the dice or I will roll the dice and we'll see what happens. You know, that kind of leads back to our pressure discussions we've been having too, right? Where, where I, as the game master get to quote unquote, fudge the setting or do something or cause something to happen. I can't do anything I want. Any game master can generally speaking, players can too, but excuse me, I get to say, Hey, the alien pops around the corner. That hand is bloody. There's a, there's there's two dead guys. There's a snowblower covered in, you know, whatever. You can do that stuff because that's in your power to describe and add tension and, and change the flow and the feel of the event. Man, you, I... You don't even need dice for that shit, right? I removed the entire contents of a room in an adventure. They were there. There were androids. There were dead people. 
There was blood. There yeah, was, but you, you know, didn't roll dice hit, for that, right? Didn't need nope, to roll dice for that. Shit hit the fan. And then when they, and I'm like, I don't know if I want that in there. Or whatever reason I came up with, they left, they came back, all of it was gone. Son of a bitch. Nice. That's it. Okay. Yeah. No search check, nothing. Like, no perception. You walk in the room and everything is gone. I think that's where I'm, one of the reasons why I'm starting to lean more towards rolling the open now stylistically is because I'm realizing the things that I want, really want to control, like as a game master, tone, feel, pacing, control, or influence, better better word than control here, is not necessarily combat. Not necessarily that you want to do something crazy. Sure. Give it a shot, kid. I don't necessarily want to influence that control that the players already decided that they want to do the thing. They've already decided to engage the Penangalon vampires and attack them. Hey, they chose that, right? However, when I want to ratchet up the pressure and have somebody following them or sneaking past or yeah, I like that. <clears throat> so that actually leads into my next one, dude, is um, do you do the, there's always a chance as in, you know, just assign a difficulty class and let them roll no matter what. Or have or do you say no? Like it's not possible. Uh, it depends on it. Uh, it it depends on how crazy they're rule of cool. How crazy is it? Does it somewhat make sense in the context of the situation? I say the context of the situation, people, because you could have the exact same thing the player is trying to do in two different encounters, but the encounters are different. In one encounter, you're like, yes, absolutely, you can attempt to do that, and you're it's awesome. Roll. And if they get a DC, great. In the other encounter, it's like, no, and this is why that is not going to be feasible. So it may be something different. So there may be inconsistencies in the game, game master's ruling, but I also think that there has to be context around what that what that is. Okay. So I yeah I, uh, I have yeah I used to try to lean towards the always a chance, but my I don't. I just flat down. The more I, to be honest with myself, I'd have to say I I will tell people that's not possible, or I'm sorry it doesn't work, or you can't do that. Man, I'm a be human too. guy on Earth. I want to fly in a plane. I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. It ain't no. going to happen, kid. Flap your arms really fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good luck. <laughs> Not going to happen. There are certain things I will, I mean, this kind of goes to the creativity component, some of the earlier parts we had above, but there is, I know in some game systems, I think D20 used to say, don't say no, just assign a difficulty class. Actually, I had a, car- I had a player quote that to me. You can't say no, I was told. You have to assign a difficulty class. It's in the book. Oh, so it's rule zero if you want to play that game. I'm like, okay, DC 500. <laughs> and you're at negative 20. Rules don't say I can't do that. Oh, that's fair. And, uh, and by the way, there's no such thing as a critical success on a skill check. So good fucking luck. Yeah, that's true. Well, rule 20 should always win. It doesn't show me that in the rules. Um, but I, I tend to lean towards the, I, I think where you are as well, stylistically, I'm like, look, it's not going to work, and here's why. And sometimes that answer is, you're not sure why, but magic. Or it's not working. Your character has no idea why. It's fair for you to be frustrated, Zave, that it's not working for you. However, note the fact that it should work, but for some reason right now, it's not. You can keep track of it as your player, 
excuse me, as your character, and maybe you can ferret out a reason why later. All right, cool. Makes sense. All right, I don't like it. I know you don't like it, but it's not working right now. Son of a bitch. I think sometimes the the no and it's not possible, it's not working, even if someone goes, yeah, but I rolled the 20. I'm like, well, first off, I didn't ask you to roll. Um, and second, sometimes I, I find that if you tell people to roll a die and then say no, it's not possible, that makes it worse. Yeah, and that you, kind of, I know. And that, this is yeah. one of the reasons that lend, lend me to having you describe slash narrate what you want to do before I'm, I'm calling for a die roll or any kind of randomizer or check is because what are you trying to do? That's not going to play out, and here's why. Right? Jeff has a 52-step process for drawing the sword and backstabbing the guy. That's not going to work, Jeffrey. Here's why. You got to have that, right? So, and I, I have met other game masters who are, no, there's always a chance. If there's a randomizer roll, there's always a chance, and they're always rolling the die. They'll flip a coin. They'll do something, and they love that crazy swing. So, again, Sean and I, you're, we're not right or wrong in this case. This is just a stylistic perspective. And I have met other game masters. And by God, they I've played in some of their games. It is crazy whacked out fun. There's always <laughs> there literally is always a chance. The the weirdest, what I would almost hesitate to say, the stupidest shit has occurred in the games I've played. Like, Holy fuck, I can't believe that. Oh, that's why I like to do this, because you never know what's gonna happen. Right. Like, All right, cool, man. That's that's your that's your groove. <laughs> But again, yeah. that's a style. And some people might might hear that and go, I didn't. And they go, that sounds horrible. You're right. You know. So I guess to go to kind of wrap, put a wrap back on this a little bit here, because we've been going for a while, is like I think when you're looking for rule systems and settings, kind of why bother to think about this stuff, is this helps me anyway. I have a list of sorts that I reference in my head at least as to is this product something I'm going to like? Well, Sean and I talked about Mothership. The questions I asked you and the stuff I was gunning towards is all, is this, does this feed Brett's style or am I going to roll, or am I going to role play over the top of this stuff, of this game, right? Am I just going to GM over it? My style will squish all the shit I don't like. Or is most of this in here right in line with what I like? Does that make sense? It does. I think, um, the other piece here is that when I, I think it does allow for clear communication to people like, look, I like to let the dice fall where they may. Um, I want to have good descriptions. You know, this is what I do what, and so on. You can explain to your fellow GMs and your players. Like, this is how I want to. This is how I like to run the game. This is my style. This is my preference. This is what I like to do. Understanding that your style is most likely also going to change over time. As I alluded to earlier, I, you know, sometimes like, oh, Huh, maybe I should be more let the dice fall where they may kind of guy. And that's something I could do. Um, I think that's totally fine because I know if I was to go back and talk to high school Brett, my style is totally drastically the other way in many regards. Many, many regards. <laughs> but, um, Sean, any other thoughts on this? Kind of at the tail end of this piece here? No, it's a good exercise, Brett. I was quite pleased with how you framed this up. I tried. I know it, it's not going to cover everything, right? No, there's a lot of stuff you can. But there's so many nits and little pieces you can go down. It's really hard sometimes not to say, "Oh, that reminds me of this game," <laughs> or "Oh, let me tell you about this." This uh, rule setting, rule system, really does it. But I really, I, I think the more, even back when we had Jen Brinkman on to talk about TCC, the questions we talked about, the things I wanted to learn. Um, from Ron and, and Christian when we talked about Savage Worlds and 
all of this stuff. I want to find out, am I going to like this game? And I'm now, I now have a better internal communication anyway, where I could say, I don't like this game. I've read it. I think I'm going to, this is going to conflict heavily with my GM style. And sometimes I have that feeling when I'm reading a new game system and most of my thoughts while reading it are, here's how I'm going to modify this so that it works for me. Right. Yeah. Huh. Wow. I just rebuilt or tweaked or changed or threw out or added in. Well, this probably isn't my jam. So anyway, I hope that wasn't too goddamn boring for folks, but I think those... And if there's other questions that you yourselves, uh, BSers, if you guys have, you folks have asked each uh, yourselves or each other, or if you've heard someone describe, if there are good questions to think about, I, I, I really do believe that this is a, it's a worthwhile every once in a while to say, what the hell am I like? What the hell am I like as a game master? I mean, I think we could do the same damn thing as a player. What is it that you like? But this is more along, what is it that you how do you lean? How are you going to do in a given situation? It sounds like Sean and Brett are both going to try to lean on the core rules whenever possible. We'll use the smaller rule sets, the mini rules if needed, right? Sean tends to roll the dice where they may. Brett's just starting to open up to that world. My campaigns tend to be very, very, very PC centric. Sean's are not quite the same, right? Doesn't make one right or wrong. It's just a different approach. So, I mean, I think knowing that I can, I look back and I can see where some of the guys I play with in my home group, Sean, might not like playing in a campaign of yours. Be- Come and I, on. And I can think. Come on, man. Not as much. Z, Beta, Alpha, yeah, Lenny. Can, Come on. I, those I guys get, would love to play with me. But it would be like, oh, this was different. Right? I think, I think Brett's a little nervous. I'll probably I don't steal my guys. <laughs> steal his game group. But hey, Brett, we don't think, want to play with you. We want to play with Sean. From what you've told me about some of the folks you play with, I think someone would not like my style at all. Uh, they might they might maybe. try it for a bit and go, eh, come on, what, what are we doing? Is there a dungeon to kick in? Or it, it, it's not like they're not. It's not a stupid group of people you're playing with, right? But I've I've talked to Doc and Jimmy, and I don't think Doc would really groove on a game I ran. I mean, he might do it for fun. By campaign, I don't think he'd. I don't think he'd get into it, man. I don't know. Maybe I just don't. And that doesn't. It doesn't mean you. I wouldn't like. Hey, Doc said, "I'll uh, fuck that, bro. I'll try. I'll try anything. Let's let's see if this works out." I'd be happy to run for the guy. Anybody, really, you know. But um, it's interesting because I've had people tell me over the years, "I don't like that game master. Or I don't like their style." Or someone will come up to us at a con like, "Oh, who's who's your game master? Oh, it's so and so and thus and such. Oh, they run a great game." Right. Really? Why? Oh, gee, it's just, it's so much fun. Really? Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is there a thing they're doing? Are they uh, rulings over rules all the time? Is it rule of cool? Are they like, is it crazy chaos motherfuckers just doing crazy chaos motherfucker stuff? Is it all made up and the points <laughs> don't matter? Did you not roll any dice? What What are you doing? You know, uh, sometimes these, I think these conversations help at least when I'm talking to other people to f- to suss out what the hell it is I'm actually trying to say when I go, oh, you really like this person's thing. Why is that? I don't know. I sh- I did, <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. If, you, if the listeners have got points, pointers, you thought this was helpful, useful, or a galactic waste of time, please let us know. <laughs> I'd be interested in knowing 
and you can comment on our forums on this episode, how your style of game mastering has changed or even playing could be playing too. If you don't run and you play a lot, how, how has that evolved or changed and why is what I'd be interested in. That's a very good, that's another kind of a next step on this discussion, right? Is like, how are you here? Where did you come from? What are things that you used to do that you can't stand anymore? Or used to do and you don't do and you don't know why. (laughs) I like to think that we as gamers evolve and grow. And so with that growth comes different experiences and preferences. That's how I got sore knees. That's then I got I got older. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Age. (laughs) Age and time. My shoulders acting up. Yeah. (laughs) It's the mileage. Anyway, no, that's good stuff, man. Let's so cool. Write in, let us know what you think, and we'll move on. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery you want to bring to you. I see the first one here and I can't believe it's Ah! true. Is it true? Sean's YouTube channel is up. How to RPG. How to RPG, man. So you got a lot of technical difficulties hammered out. I think I know why, but I won't talk about it. That's all. I don't know. What matters is you got them hammered out. That's cool. It's still up. It hasn't been banned by YouTube is the the thing. Get it while it's hot, people. So two videos. And the first one I did, like, uh, create a fighter in using low fantasy gaming um, by Pickpocket Press. That was where I was going to just start creating characters using different systems. And I thought about it and I thought, no, this subsystem thing has got a thing. So the real first video that kicks it off is really about combat and mothership. So the next one I'm working on is spell duels and DCC. Oh, nice. That'd be good. How does that work? So somebody brought it up on the forums. I can't remember who it might have been, but. Yeah, we talked about that before. That's a good one. And everybody's yeah, brought up chases. Mirko's thrown me like five different things to take a look at. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, second one, planned versus emergent backgrounds. Article by Phil Vecchione on Gnome Stew. Very sweet. So Phil, this Phil knows what he's talking about. Phil does know what he's talking about. So check that out. That goes back to a little bit of earlier when we were always kind of picking at Brett going, well, do you like people that plan their background or do you want them to come through play? So then the last one, Isaac Asimov's foundation. Do you ever read that series? Brett? I did not read the series, but I was, I happen to have Apple TV. So I was flipping through because I have an Apple TV. So I'm going through and looking at stuff. I'm like, huh, foundation. What if that's Asimov's? Holy shit. That's Asimov's foundation series coming to Apple TV. So I have not read it. I never really got into Asimov. I didn't either, and I don't know why. I don't either. I kind of, at a certain point, fantasy captured me more than sci-fi did. I like sci-fi. Yeah. I do like it. I have a good time with it. But fantasy is kind of where my heart lies when it comes to that stuff. So So that um, is coming to Apple TV in 2021, and it Mm -hmm. looks pretty interesting. And I know some sci-fi geeks are like, whoa, because I never, you know, I can't believe it's, you know, and they even tout 50 years in the making. Oh, okay. <laughs> fun, so, fun. Marketing, yeah. marketing, marketing. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, with those IPs, it's always like, God, can it live up to what you have in your brain? Well, that that's the other piece. It's like the Lord of the Rings movies. I know plenty of people who hate them. Yeah. Other people love them. It's all like anything else. Oh, they took this thing. Yep. And they ruined it. Oh, this movie was terrible. Oh, they destroyed this character or whatever it is. Oh, my God. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. 
Very interesting. All right. So what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week. Week, teak, Number week. three, zero, zero. We're talk about PCs and NPC reliance. One of a couple of our listeners were talking about this in the forums around some of the PCs just always leaning on the NPCs for advice, info, direction, and so on. I'm going to dig into that a little bit, see where we go. So that'd be next. So I heard because it's 300, um, Brett will be on Twitch and we'll be having this episode um, live on Twitch Monday, next Monday at 8 o'clock Central Time. And that Brett is all going to be, he's going to be shirtless uh-huh. and all oiled up. Yeah, yes. And that's... in like a Spartan outfit. No, Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been working out. Stefan next... Dragon's Vaughn. No. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. That's, I've, Just been working, for you. I've been working out and all, but I'm not, I'm not that level. Today we dive in hell, or whatever they say. Or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. This is bullshit. I'm going to kick a man in the pit or something. Yeah. Oh, well, Lord. Thanks, everybody that came to, to to view us live here on Twitch. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much. Monday nights, 8 Central Time, we record this. And then my mothership on Thursday nights, every other Thursday. And then we'll be rolling some other games after that. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it. If you see this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and like and all that good stuff. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for downloading and listening. Uh, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Ray Otis, Stefan Dragonspawn, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besore, Jim Fitzpatrick, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Roger Braslett, Mark Soam, Andy Hall, Erica Villa, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Mike Hess, Angus, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Hoos Carl, Jason Weeb, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Jared Rasher, Phil McClory, George Sedgwick, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jay Plata, Ghost GM, Ghost GM, Chad Glayman, Finnolf, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotjohn, Mirko Froilich, Rich Wishon, and Joe Swick. Hey, if you like what you heard, let somebody know. Tell them to head over to gamingmbs.com forward slash subscribe or have them go to their podcatcher of choice. Do a search for Gaming NBS. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate it, BSers. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.